Life begins at 40, or so they say. And this is I Am The Night, Batman the Animated Series Breakdown, looking at episode 40 of I Am The Night and episode 45 of Batman the Animated Series. And it's batty, just like that introduction. It's so batty, it's echolocation-y, it's magic. With me, as always, is my bat batty buddy, young Adam Ray. Greetings. That's kind of scary, but quite apt. Yeah. We're looking at the episode, Terror in the Sky. I'm still really confused, but we're going to try and move past that and go into the episode. Um, I really hope life doesn't begin at 40, otherwise I have a little bit of waiting to do. Uh, you haven't been yeah. born yet, you've got 15 years. Uh, okay. So does that mean you're like 10, 10 years old? Come on, you old? know me, that sounds about right, right? Well, you have... <laughs> well, I work out of your office while you're doing your day job, and it's a great space to be in, but uh, I kind of want to, shall we say correct the lego portraits of batman and the joker on a much no no i have an extensive lego collection and i want to fix their teeth to make their teeth look realistic because i'm just that sad <laughs> no that's cool okay um i'll need to rummage but we're getting off subject <laughs> it's still batman it's, it's kind of on subject but anyway actual batman stuff yeah um a surprising return a welcome return uh excellent handling that we see of them have a handles characters that they put into the show thus far coming back it surprises twists high octane action very strong episode really strong episode and if you haven't guessed by now dear listener the man bat has returned ish sort of um sort of kinda and following the comics which i love the way this show does that we get a really uh, really big surprise it's just like adam said where they give things away right at the very beginning from points of view and angles and clever storytelling. And I have to tip my hat to writers Steve Perry and Mark Saracen and director Boyd Kirkland. I was saying to Adam as we were watching that Bruce Tim is definitely the storyteller of, of the directors, but Boyd Kirkland is the action director of this series. And this series, this episode rather, the action is brilliant. We have the... Uh, stunning swoop-ins and sudden attacks the strafing strikes of the man-bats uh, attacking the shipment and then the excellent chase over the freeway and over the train station so uh, and then it concluding with that aerial fight next to that passenger plane there's all very dramatic very high stakes scenes where innocents are in the way things are moving horizontally and vertically we don't know if they're yeah. going to be able to survive the drops it's all literal terrors in the skies and it's lots of close calls and close scrapes which makes for really exciting stuff so it's very well handled which is exactly what you'd want from a villain like this from yeah. something that can match Batman up in the skies so we can see like some real stakes in the action they do it very well in this episode really really good I mean from motorbike chase the Batwing flight chase and oh I, I, I cried because we get to see the Bat uh, bike for the first time and it is beyond cool right down to the way it tethers itself to a lamppost and then automatically untethers itself to a lamppost so it can't get stolen so yeah. Jason Todd good luck trying to nick the wheels off that one well he takes them <laughs> off of the Batmobile so that's terribly fine but he also has that great shield that goes yeah. over the top of it and we'll talk about this a bit more in a minute but we see that this wintry snowy Gotham but we see that the back tyre of this uh, 
that bike has like those great snow tire spikes yes. sort of thing to be able to stay maneuverable which is a wonderful bit of realism that you wouldn't necessarily think of but yeah. when you see it it's a really nice detail touch but you get you got very sad when it got blown up oh yeah I didn't expect it to die on its first appearance that was heartbreaking yeah. 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 You'll, you'll, it'll get better well no you said it perfectly he has the 17 in the cave <laughs> Exactly. You, I love that wonderful full page spread and you'll be able to tell me who arted this and who, who coloured it and which issue it's from but that wonderful moment of uh, Robin getting the car cool which one Yeah, you know which scene I'm talking about well there's been a couple but both of them both the really important ones are by Jim Lee from Hush and from All Star Batman and Robin where um, yeah which one? because you get those shots of just all of the different cars that Batman oh, uh, hops into for different situations and different landscapes and stuff so it's not like it's any skin off of his resources but it hurts you because it's another cool visual but don't worry I think the other great uh, vehicle visual you got was particularly satisfying considering your grand memorabilia collection yes I have a wonderful 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 Batwing um, which has even got the hooky clory grabby thing the claw takes us to beyond or helps save stewardesses from falling airplanes yes but um, it's not just bat wings it's bat wings that mm. do the saving which is a very telling moment but let, let's have a quick recap so literally the episode opens beautifully with snow blowing really atmospherically and some dock workers are loading a truck with fruit but it's little moments like the initial dock worker picking up the big crate putting it on the pallet and wiping his brow mm. something that's simple but most cartoons wouldn't even include it's still touches like that, that it's an attention to detail and giving the actual animators themselves a little bit extra work to put yeah. those extra 30 or so frames of just that motion yeah but Especially for hand-drawn animation, which yeah. this was back in the day, I yes. think. No, this was totally, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, having that little attention to detail makes the side characters and the one-off characters that set the stage and stuff very real and very needed because it makes the very atmospheric and real Gotham that we've talked about several yeah. times just feel so lived in. So when you get details like that, it's really nice. But also some of the details that we get from the guys after they see this attack. Um, that when they're talking to the police I put down in my notes that he said oh it's going to have a wingspan of like 15 feet which is a wonderful little bit of detail because um, being a fantasy fiction writer I like very strange yes, facts you do. Yeah. and I don't remember I think it was um, Phil Clark who uh, contributes on and off hey, for, Phil. Do for Dark Nine News hi buddy how you doing got me The Resurrectionist that oh yeah the textbook about fantasy creature anatomy and mm -hmm. it said very clearly for a human being to have powered flight their wings would need to be th roughly three times their height perfect so a 15 foot wingspan would be the perfect wingspan needed for a short person a five foot tallish person, person. exactly hmm. kirk langstrom is a little bit taller than yeah so so even from the beginning if you're able to really 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 read between the lines then there's some other strange things afoot but it's still that surprise and that wonder of a dock worker who lives in a city with murder clowns and rich men <laughs> strapping bombs to flightless birds that he can murder still be clowns, he's a murder clown there are like gangsters who strap bombs to flightless birds but it's still that 
sight of a great creature there just tearing apart your shipment is a thing to behold and it's a lovely little character detail for an otherwise unimportant character but it doesn't mean he's necessarily be a throwaway character absolutely absolutely and um, th- like you said Batman standing in the shadows listening and again it's little things like Batman standing in the shadows which is just like so classic so constant Yet to see it still makes me really happy. <laughs> it's just what he does. It's something we can expect and we can sort of demand almost from the character now. So when we see him doing that, the whole brooding, watchful protector sort of bit, and I use my words pur- purposely there, it's a good thing to see. So I like that. And he... Oh, I love that. Watchful it, protector. I, I say watchful protector because um, I hope you know who I'm referencing here. It's uh, what... Uh, Jim Gor- uh, Gary Oldman's Jim Gordon says right at the end of Dark Knight yes. because we see just how like a little detail I wanted to connect that to yeah. was we see how important this show is for staging and some of the visuals of oh, the Chris Nolan movies because I couldn't help but think of that chase through the freeway and stuff where yeah. Batman has to drive totally. through that shopping mall because he will he knows the city well enough yep. to not endanger civilians but mm. he will still drive through civilised areas mm-hmm. And onto train platforms. Onto train platforms, <laughs> through staircases, past Bridges. people, all that, all that. But it's a really nice visual that uh, great movie makers have been able to use in their movies oh, from taken from this relatively homegrown but still very powerful good bit of media. Iconic, I would say. Yeah. But I love the other part of it, the watchful protector, because he's not just there to lock up bad guys and fight crime. The second he gets a sniff that Man Bat may have possibly returned, he goes straight to Langstrom to make sure he's cured and to make sure he's not taking the serum and endangering not just his own life, but the life of other Gotham City. It's it's the watchful protector. He's not just the vengeance, the creature of the night, the, the crook basher. He is a protector, and I love that. Yeah, that's a port... Very key part of Batman that is very easy to forget, but it's a shame that it gets forgotten. Mm, big shame. And the other bit that gets forgotten again is the detective. And little simple things like he fights this new bat creature, and he knows already that this might be Langstrom, but it might not because Langstrom's saying he stopped taking the serum and he blames Batman for the the, the cure he got in the very first episode in On on Other Wings not working. But then he finds a little bit of the fur from the second skirmish and goes on to deduce that this new man, this new Bat creature isn't Kirk. It's someone else, yeah. But it's a very important detective technique for him to distance himself from the immediate assumption that is Langstrom. It's... It, it being Langstrom is a theory that fits some of the facts because mm-hmm. he's going in without not knowing everything. And it's a thing he would have learned from either reading or studying from Acolytes of Sherlock Holmes in this yeah. timeline at least. Because, um, yeah, it's good to be able to compartmentalise and think of every single possibility but work to the outcomes because he's he went into the laboratory hoping to help Langstrom first and yes. deal with the creature second. Yes, because exactly that's that. part of his ethos as a protector. Absolutely. And of course, you can't have Kirk Langstrom without his old boss and father-in-law, Dr. March. And of course, his wonderful, beautiful fiance Francine. And, well, if anyone hasn't guessed it by now, 
that's who the second bat creature turns out to be and like you brilliantly said there's little twists and little hints from the start including the size the weight and the first moment you see the bat creature using its sonar and approach the apartment building where Francine and Kirk live as the doors break open onto the bedroom the creature sees Kirk in bed and of course you're thrown off guard by him waking up and you think it's a nightmare and he gets up and sees the wrecked fruit and the wrecked um, carpet by, by the balcony and thinks oh god I've done it again um, but it's much cleverer than that it's good that we can see this uh, animated series as a detective story for us audience yes. we're given the chance to try and work things out and follow along the methodology and thinking process of Batman because it's a very narrow sort of like pool of suspects but it's still something to think about because we would assume the obvious given what we see at first yeah. but the episode rewards us for thinking outside the box as Batman does or the episode surprises us with a twist we weren't expecting so either way it's a very engaging way to tell the story absolutely totally agree with you and um you always get these classic moments of not just great action but the, the humorous moments particularly as soon as you involve a conversation between bruce and alfred about giant bats and alfred will come out with well present company excluded yeah. <laughs> then, then uh, yes, it must be uh, Dr. Langton. Again, little beautiful moments. Love it. Really do. Now, we have to talk about um, the performances again because Mark Singer returns for the third time. Obviously, he was helping Bruce solve another crime a few episodes back but he's of course back as Kirk Langstrom and again his range is wonderful and I've always liked him as an actor but the main star of this show apart from Batman himself of course is uh, of course Francine who's played really really brilliantly by the late great Meredith McRae in this episode and again how did this little cartoon in its first season grab talents of stage and screen of this caliber this this lady didn't just have her own talk show a, a really high rated talk show mid-morning los angeles for like eight years she's been in virtually every massive tv american tv show of, of the 70s and 80s alias smith and jones my three sons the beverly hillbillies the rockford files chips magnum fantasy island she's been on every single one of them but she's also a uh, multi-million record seller she's singer dancer actress she's performed with the likes of Shirley Bassey um, what a talent and, and one gone far too soon uh, she passed away in 2000 but um, the two appearances she made on the show this was the second and the main one brilliant pieces of character acting considering you couldn't see her face but the emotion the range great piece of acting we got a real varied performance of her in emotional distress, yeah. feeling that her love, her husband's gone back to strange science and uh, rampant destruction, mm. feeling the need to leave, and then her own uncertainty about the changes she's going through. Uh, very interesting sort of take on the reverse damsel in distress sort of in a way. Absolutely. Because we, we always imagine the damsel to be like upper tower being like tormented yep. by the monster, mm -hmm. but the monster, she is the monster without actually acting that way on purpose yes but so she's still in danger but the monster is a much more active present so mm. it's good that they were able to get such a seasoned actress to be able to play this role Absolutely. and she did it very well 
Absolutely. I'd say so. And the wonderful tributes to the original Frank Robbins and Neil Adams comics of the 70s. I mean, I, I was... Well, you know you've been with me when, when I was researching this, that the shock that Man Bat and She Bat, as she later became known when she became a hero and joined the Outsiders in later years, uh, was actually created the year I was born. So uh-huh. these characters are, are the same age I am, a couple of months younger. But um, I remember reading about them my entire life and to think that actually we share that was a, a nice little moment for me today, actually. It's... Uh... Always interesting to hear just when and just where certain characters like this came from. Obviously, you get years. obviously you get your, your Batman himself, obviously yeah. Joker, Catwoman, people that have been there since the very beginning. But the characters that you think are older but mm. aren't necessarily so, and when you look at them and they find out that they're a comparable age to yourself, it's quite a humbling thing to know that you've been growing up this, uh, not with you looking back at older characters, you're growing alongside yeah. characters that you can really claim as your own. Absolutely. And, and I, I love these characters, always have. And, well, you know how I feel about the whole Neil Adams, Deli O'Neill era of Batman. It's, it's what made me a fan and made me take the step from the classic Adam West to the darker, more real Batman. The, well, the real, for, for me, the more vintage, shall we say, Batman, the more well-known Batman of today. But, um, yeah, 50 years of these characters, and I don't know if they've been portrayed better than in this episode i'd say so i'd say that we got the layered performances of scientists being curious trying to make brave strides but otherwise falling prey to their own success and that's definitely a sort of recurring thing in comics as well as just wider science fiction uh science going too far we we wondered if we could we didn't have to think about if we should yes (laughs) oh jeff goblin but still it's always an interesting thing and we see this story showing that side Mm. in a high paced way we see it with later characters we feel for Langstrom as he's racking with a thing of it might be me how dare Batman fail me oh it's not me it's an emotional roller coaster with these high action set pieces and a really satisfying conclusion which I think is quite rewarding because we actually see Batman being an assistant hero here Indeed. Making the final save was not him, but was in fact Langstrom. And mm. he's looks on satisfied and lets them have their moment and leaves them stranded at the top of the bridge with nowhere to get back down. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I think he just walks to the Batwing to bring it a bit closer to, to get them both in. Yeah. You, you have all those service ladders. There's a way for them to be I down. Think but so. there's a But there's a moment of just like, are they stuck up there? No, <laughs> definitely not. She'd freeze, bless her, yeah. in those ripped up um, a la Luferino Hulk clothes, yep. strategically covering um, important areas. Yes, definitely. But I like what you said about the um, heroics because on two occasions um, the roles are reversed where she, he falls out of the plane and as the she-bat, hmm. she flies down to rescue him. Which is interesting because you would think that she would be all primal, but there's something thinking still yeah. in there, and she recognizes someone important to her yeah. that she needs to save. Yep, so and absolutely. And then at the end, where she's converted back to her human form, and she slips, and rather than Batman, who sees her, who's still stunned but dazed, but goes for her, but it's Kirk that grabs her instead of him, and it's brilliant to see. That's the kind of thing that would bring a couple together in the real world to. Her be a rewarding and loving loving thing to see there yep and what did you think about the turn from dr marge who's still as irascible as he was in his first appearance but 
I thought, again, it was a lovely piece of animation and voice acting from René Auberginois, one, again, one of those legendary actors um, who switches from his adamant that bats are the creatures that will survive the next evolutionary change. They're much superior to human beings. And when he realises that he's the one to blame, that he accidentally transformed his own daughter. I think it circles back t- uh, to a greater extent about what I was saying about the guys at the docks. Yes. It's character development yeah. of a very minor but still very crucial character because we see him in those early episodes, in the first episode, mm-hmm. as a zealot for his own scientific ideals. Mm-hmm. And that's something he keeps up in this episode as well. But when he comes to that realisation, he sees how heavily he's transgressed, how heavily he's made his mistakes, and that forces him to think reconsider and change so we see him going from one episode where he's just this belligerent (laughs) like stubborn figure still having some of that into oh what have i done and then abandons his research that's real growth of the character and that's going to make him a better father and a better scientist and that's a rewarding thing to see especially for a character that we've seen this twice yeah but it's a real and natural thing to happen but it's so good they were able to put the effort into that character when so many other shows so many other like live action prime time dramas will scoot over characters like that I could not agree more it's just quality writing really strong strong writing now when do you think you spotted that it wasn't Kirk I suspected when you said it wasn't right at the beginning when we when the creature goes in and we see him the sudden jolt made me want to dismiss it but this is the weirdest part mm. but I feel like this might have been when you twigged as well mm-hmm. it was when the second attack when it was actually like the man bat versus Batman mm. and man bat was wearing the bright red trousers that she yes, was wearing exactly then. because true to Luther Igno's Hulk's form <laughs> they will always stretch up but it will still be whatever they were wearing because, of course, it was yes. just, it just get torn and stretched and ripped, but yeah. it still be there because of yes. artistic license. But, yeah, that's when I figured it'd be like, okay, maybe it's her, or maybe it's the old scientist. No, it's her, it's her, yeah. I think also the timing. Yeah. The fact that he was literally speaking to Kirk, mm-hmm. whereas Francine had bolted out the door two or three minutes previously. Yeah. Because he was just literally, the, the sentence hadn't even stopped echoing in his ears when he walked out. And the she-bat, yep. man-bat creature, was upon them. So that's what I knew for sure. Yep. I suspected again, because I'm such an old comics nerd, that I remember the old Frank Robbins and the Adams issues. And this, the reveal in the comics was very similar. Where, oh my God, it's not Kirk, it's Francine. Yep. And it was brilliantly done. So, yeah, full marks for this one. Action-packed, great characterization, great acting, the Bat-bike and the Bat-wing... I am one happy little fanboy. How could one not be satisfied when we're flying around with that squeak, squeak? Oh, awesome. Right, so, final takes. Things that really stood out, things that made you laugh, things that made you cry, things that stuck in your mind, sir. I just particularly liked lots of the good details that the animators were able to put to show off the overall wintry side of Gotham, yeah. the swirls of the snow totally. and the clouds and the snow peaks on all of the building tops but then again we also got some of the details we got in the bat bike being able to accommodate that batman's strange 
bat helmet shaped helmet. I used to have that action figure. I'm sure you did. <laughs> you have the regular Batman upstairs. Yes, I do. In yeah. his Batwing. Yeah. In that big, gigantic, beautiful light up Batwing with the glory thing. With the claw and landing wheels. Yes. It's a great piece of kit. We need very strong, like, wire sort of, like, hanging from somewhere like it's flying. Ooh, don't tempt me. Your mother will kill us both. We'll get a bigger place and we'll find it. I'll think yes. about it. Yes, we will get a bigger place. Manor. Yes, we will get a bigger place <laughs> for our collectibles. But, yeah, I appreciate the quality of the art team and the set design and the character design to be able to show everything that the story needs to without making an effort of it in the story it's just there because that's the realistic thing to do as much as as much realism you want to apply to a cartoon about bat people wait this ain't real i thought this was a documentary show well then what was your final takeaway from this documentary (laughs) again we are very in tune and very very connected um similar things from the swirls of the snow at the beginning to the sonar but Funnily enough, it's a, it's a moment right near the end. But again, the animators putting in more work than they actually had to. The the sweeping of the brow from the dot worker at the beginning. But another bit at the end where Batman's knocked off the top tower of the bridge. And he slips to the edge and grabs on. But then you see little bits of snow falling off and down behind him. Totally unnecessary. They did not have to do that. And same again when at uh, the beginning of this episode when he confronts Langstrom and he comes in through that tall office. window. And wind and blows he, in. Wind blows in and he shakes his cape and cape for, um, snow flies off yeah. his shoulders. Just obvious realism yeah. that would raise a bit of questions if you were very familiar with the episode of after watching it over and over again. But the yeah. fact that it's there yeah. off the off without any... Like pointing a direction and to it, gave the it makes it so much more work. But it makes it seem so much more real and so much more lived in. I look forward to a certain wacky two D ad surprise that Warner Brothers is putting out right now. Oh but yes. I don't think animations had that much attention to detail in a very long time. Very, and that's very, very sad. I completely agree with you, and that's what stood out to me: the attention to detail, the action, the set pieces, everything about this episode just just rocked. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah. So, we have come to the end of our 40th episode, looking back at episode 45 of Batman the Animated Series, Terror in the Sky. It was bat-tastic in every way, shape, and form. Speaking of bat-tastic, that describes you pretty well, young man. So where can our audience find more of your work, both audio, video, and in reading materials? Well, I have much of all of those kinds to be able to put out to the great wild wide interwebs if your Epiro location can find it. Uh, for Batman-flavoured things, you can find my writing reviewing several titles a month on Dark Knight News and DC Comics News. They're very strong these days, and I'm very happy to be looking at Catwoman and yes. Batman Beyond as of late. Uh, as for writing close to the thing that puts the wind in my wings, PC gaming and tabletop gaming, you can find much of my writing on Fantastic Universes. And Apotheosis Studios. Um, I, as of the recording of this, I'm working on uh, detailing one of the most terrifying creatures known to man, the Porky Parrot. Um, <laughs> look forward to that one. That's, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. But um, you can find my writing also about PC gaming, tabletop gaming on our true love, our baby, fantasticuniverse.com. Follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer, where you'll find me retweeting some of the developers' notes from some of the various battle royales I play, 
And for my view, for your viewing pleasure, you can find my Dungeons and Dragons Let's Plays on No Ordinary Heroes and some PC Let's Plays with some university friends on the Hostile Atmosphere. All of which is very, very cool. Do check it out. As for this show and our sister shows, the DC Comics News Podcast, Mad Love, the Harley Quinn Cast, and the Spinner Rack, where we recommend DC's top five books every week, you can catch all those shows and this one on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Play. You can catch DC Comics News and Dark Knight News, the more Batman-friendly site, on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, and uh, everywhere else where the social media exists, really. Plus on the internet and on Twitter too, you can catch at DC Comics News and at DK Newscom, as well as myself at EL underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. As for my writing, just Google search Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes. But until you do, rate, review, like, follow, subscribe to all those wonderful shows. And as always... What do they really need to do out there? Read more comics. And watch more Batman. Thank you for listening. Bye now.